All right. Welcome to the Utility Podcast. <laughs> Fucking pan walking away. Okay. In a towel in the background. <laughs> leave it. Leave it in. We'll leave it in. We'll leave it in. Welcome to the Utility Podcast. Uh, my name is Jeff Excel. This is uh, Bernardo. Uh, today's podcast is going to be a little different. Uh, we're doing kind of shorter series of just like free-flowing conversations with specific artists uh, about, you know, whatever's happening in the space lately and and maybe answering questions that we don't necessarily want to answer, especially since Ben's here. Uh, yeah, so today we have um, one of my favorite photographers, Ben Zank. And yeah, we're going to chat about what is on everyone's mind and how he's doing. Welcome. Yes, uh, welcome, Zank. Um, and before we start, we have to say some disclaimers, unfortunately. Um, nothing that we say here will be financial or art advice. Me and Jeff, we know nothing about this. Uh, ben might, might know a little bit more than us, but anything he says is just his opinion, nothing else. It's not advice for anything. So keep in mind that this space can be risky and you may lose all your money. Everything can go to zero. I'm literally just an artist and I have no idea what I'm doing. If you lose money on this podcast, it is Ben's fault. How are you doing? How are you doing? Me, I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, it's extremely hot here and I still haven't put in my AC, but uh, other than that, I'm doing fantastic. What floor do you live on? I'm on this, it's a, it's a three-story building, a brownstone a railroad apartment. Yeah. Um, and I live on the, the second floor. Man, it's like such classic, a classic, classic Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. Is any, and any of your photos outside your house? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm on a desktop right now, but if I, if this was like a laptop, I would show you where I uh, shot. This is not a hydrant because it's, I literally shot it with the, with the fire hydrant right outside of my uh, building. That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember trying to install H, you know, HVACs like in my window and almost dropping it on, on like random bypassers in when I lived in New York, quite terrifying. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so why don't you start us out, um, Bernardo? Yes, so Ben, um, before we start with the deep conversation, um, can you tell us a little bit, um, can we talk about a little bit your background? How did you come to this space? Um, what were you doing before? How did you start your career? Things like that. Because actually, we've been talking for a long time now, and now we've, me and Jeff, we've been collecting, but I don't know that part of your life. So do you want to tell us? Absolutely. Yeah. Buckle down. Um, I'm not even going to tell you how I got into NFTs because I feel like that's what everyone talks about and it, it gets kind of redundant. So I'm just going to talk about how I got into photography. Um, and that started back in the, um, the end of high school for me. Um, I spent all of high school being sort of a reclusive hermit uh, gamer. Um, Final Fantasy XI, favorite, my favorite game of all time. It's all I played. It's all I played in high school. Um, and then I had a um, girlfriend at the time, um, and her sister was like a really popular photographer on, on Flickr. And I saw, I like, I saw her photographs once. I was like, these are really good. Like, I want to take photos like that. So, like, I don't know. I like had like a 
a flip phone with like a two megapixel camera. So I tried taking like photos with that and you know, they were terrible. Fast um, forward to um, my first uh, year in, in college, I went to community college um, for two years uh, before transferring um, to, to SUNY Purchase for, I majored in journalism, by the way. Um, I got back into photography and I ended up um, finding a, a film camera in my grandmother's attic, uh, uh, Pentax ME Super, and I fell in love with that thing. Um, the only issue was I had no idea how to use it. I, I couldn't figure <laughs> out how to even open up the back of the camera for like three months. Well, after <laughs> three months go by and I finally figure out how to load film into it. And then I take photos and I'm like, wow, these are amazing. Everyone look at my photos and people are like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I, I, and um, I, I got on Flickr and I remember uploading those, those pictures. I wish I could, I have them on my desktop. I wish I had prepared them, but I could show you guys another time. I remember uploading them and I was just like sitting there, like staring at the screen, like waiting for someone to look at it. And I remember I got like one view and I was so excited that like one person had like looked at my shitty film photos. <laughs> it's like, if only they pressed favorite on it, but you know. Um, so yeah, majored in, it was majoring in journalism. And I think like halfway through um, my time at, at Purchase is when I kind of like decided that I really hated like being, cause like journalism is about being objective and I'm a very opinionated person and I feel like I kind of like to, you know, put that into my work. Um, so like, that's sort of where my real like interest in, in, in you know, art and photography kind of um, bloomed. And I ended up starting a 365 project. And that was kind of all the rage um, back in the days of Flickr. Um, a lot of, you know, young artists who are, are really big to this day um, started out doing um, 365 projects. And um, that was, you know, where you would go out every day for an entire year and try to produce, you know, could be a self-portrait, could be like a really complicated uh, conceptual image. It doesn't matter. You just go out every day and, and, you know, shoot and upload the same day or the next day and just do that for a year straight. And that's sort of where I really um, cut my teeth in the beginning to kind of um, jumpstart my, you know, knowledge as a, as a photographer. Cause I, I'm like one of those people that I, I'm a very slow learner and I really have to do something a lot to get better at it. And that's sort of what I had to do with, with photography is I had to, sort I just became completely obsessed for, I didn't even finish it in a year. I finished it in a year and a half. So I probably shot like almost double of what the recommended <laughs> amount was, but fast forward to that. Um, I, you know, graduated, ended up getting um, a job in uh, advertising. So I was writing, um, I was like managing social media for, for ad agencies and whatnot. And, and this is, I was, I was like, you know, doing okay with the photography. I wasn't like really making a living from it, but that was around, I think around like, you know, five years ago is when I first started to really kind of break into the we now call it web two into the web two scene of, of, you know, photography. And I started getting like commercial gigs and, you know, I was selling prints and, you know, here we are now. Is that, do you feel like that is an unappreciated part of doing anything, which is just like doing it a million times, you know? I think it's, 
I think it's something that most people who are serious about their their craft and most people who are successful, you know, just like take it for a given. And I think it's, you know, not necessarily something that everyone, because some people say, you know, it's like, it's classic hard work, hard work, but no one wants to hear that. No one wants to hear hard work. They want to hear, oh, I uploaded this photo and everyone likes it. And now it just sold for, you know, 20 ETH or something. Um, so I think it's sort of like, it's sort of like something that's so obvious. Like if you want to not die, drink water every day. You know? <laughs> it's just like, if you want to get to from point A to point Z, you have to put in the work to get to, to that. So this is why this podcast is just barely getting good right now. It just took us six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's consistency. It's like, you have to keep doing something. I mean, I'll, I'll show you the first photos I took them. They're, they're not, they're not great, but they're, they're funny. I want to see. I would love to see. Yeah. I would love to see. Cause I have, I have a flicker as well. I, I remember that, that oh. feeling of uh, uploading and then waiting for to, 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 to get a like. I remember I that. The other day I went there. I, I went forgot. there. Yeah. I had one. Yes. Yeah. We should, we should put that out there. We should put our flickers up. We should sell yeah. all I those mean, now flicker is, it's funny because flicker is definitely what I would call like the photographer's photographer site now it's like it's really like you don't i don't think you have as many like actual pro photographers on Flickr. you just have like the die hard enthusiasts who just love photography and they don't give a shit about making money from it it's like you know i took this photo of this bridge spurred whatever portrait uploaded to Flickr, and it's really i would say it's like the facebook of, of photography these days it used to be like there were people who were making careers out of Flickr back in you know like 20 12 2013 like it was it was big then but i don't know like if that's still the case with it now i don't use Flickr. we so, have we have to add the wannabes photographers there as well it was the website for the wannabes what's that oh yeah <laughs> so um if you're i mean do you continue to this day to like try to go out every single day and shoot photos like take us through a day in the life of uh of ben Zhang. um I think it's impossible for me to do that every day now. I think, I think like that's actually the great thing that about NFTs is that like getting into that before I got into to web three and NFTs, I was very, you know, focused on how am I going to, you know, continue to be an artist, but also make a living as a photographer and, and, you know, you have to kind of jump through a lot of hoops, you know, with, you know, keeping a good presence on Instagram with, you know, keeping good relationships with clients and, you know, being marketable, you know, being able to have a client want to, you know, hire you for a job or, or something. And that's not something that you want to necessarily give up. If you get into entities, you don't want to throw your eggs in one basket. But for me, I've always felt like I wanted to be a fine artist. I didn't, you know, I would love to do a campaign. I've always been fortunate where if like people have come to me, they kind of just let me do my thing. But getting into into um, Web3 and, and, and NFTs has allowed me to really just be a fine artist. So now I feel like a lot of pressure for me to be a content machine has been lifted. And now I do really enjoy spending a lot more time on my work. And it's like, Every year that goes by, I'm like, I can't get better than I am now. And then I look back and I'm like, holy shit, like I did all this this year. And like, I look back on stuff that I did last year. I'm like, I thought that was good last year. So it's, it's kind of, 
crazy to see um, the improvement that you make over time. And you don't notice it right away. You kind of notice it when you, when you look back. And I think that comes from, you know, not shooting every day. I would say I, I make an effort to go out at least once a week, like hundred percent. And especially when I travel, when I travel, I, I think I shoot every day, but when I'm here, you know, back at home in the city, uh, you know, I got my life to deal with. So I don't always get to going out and, you know, we have the issue of like finding locations in the city is a, is a nightmare, but I, so it's funny that you say that the web three, uh, made more time for you. Cause what we hear constantly on, on Twitter is that it's impossible to have, um, to have a career, have the web three and then be on Twitter grinding. And there are people, and I know some photographers that completely burned out and came out of, of the scene. So in your perspective, the Web3 opened more space to you rather than the other way around. Yeah, I, and I totally understand um, the situation with, with other photographers because we're just, we're not, our, the way I work versus the way other artists may work is just entirely different so for me it's sort of like I have like kind of always been someone to like when I get into something and I start getting good at it I just get more and more obsessed with it. that's why I've always been like a video game addict or that's how I even got into that's how I even kept st stuck with photography is because I became obsessed with it and that sort of plays in I have like ADHD so that kind of plays into the kind of you know obsession thing hyper focusing and I'm also not like Mr. Go outside every day and like hang around. Like I, I am kind of a homebody to an extent. So, you know, if I'm home, my phone is in front of me with Twitter, like, yeah, I'm going to be on Twitter. So <laughs> that's just kind of like, it, it, you know, how it works. Um, and for me, once again, I feel like I do have that advantage in that because I'm sort of able to like create my own scenes. I don't always have to, travel to the mountains with no service for for, mm -hmm. for two weeks to go out and, and get images or even with a street photographer street photography is incredibly difficult to get you know a good image because you sometimes you go out for two weeks straight and you have nothing usable because it's incredibly difficult to find those you know transient moments where i can sort of go and i can make something and then it really just comes down to like how long do i want to sit on photoshop to make this thing good <laughs> kind of that's kind of how it is for me is like all right if I want to spend two weeks working on this I can do it but I know I have something you know in my back pocket so you know do you, do you have think, um sorry do you it's have, all good. I, I, go on. I like ramblers but uh I'm also a rambler sorry um do you like have a uh, like a stack because every time you sell something I notice that like the next day you'll put something new up and I'm like you must have like a backlog of images that you're just like ready to drop. Is that true? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, on Instagram, drop, I, I always, when I, especially before I mint something, I always throw it up on Photoshop and make sure that there's um, like, I make sure it's like perfect and there's no like weird things. I mean, I, I, I do that. I'm guilty of that is that when I post something to, so, to social media, I'll almost always forget to like fix something in the image and I'll like be, I won't say anything or maybe I do sometimes. I'll be like punching the wall behind me, like pissed off that I forgot that I missed this. And that's probably the cringiest part about like being an artist, especially a photographer that like 
you know, does post-production is uploading an image that you're really proud of and then finding out that you, I don't know, fucked something up in the layers or something. <laughs> it's, it annoys me. But Actually, before going to another, another questions about that method, I want to ask, always wanted to ask you, do you, whenever you do these, these kind of photos that they, they are in so, they are so different, do you plan ahead before you shoot or do you shoot and then you, you figure out what you can do with that? Yeah, uh, the, the, la the latter. I, sh I, I, I usually shoot first, think later. Um, or, or while I'm shooting, if I have enough time, I sort of develop like a stronger like idea while I'm shooting. And then in, in, in post-production, I, I kind of like, I like to sit with an image open for really long periods of time and just look at it and see like what I can do. Because I, I like to, I like to approach images like that, like a, like a, like a puzzle in that there's a lot of things, a lot of small things you can do to an image to really kind of enhance it to like um, make it stand out that don't always um, reveal themselves immediately. Cause I, that's what I like. And you know, it's something I'm trying to get better at is I think it's always about like the little details in an image or the lack of details that can, you know, make or break a photograph. So sometimes the, the, the image I just um, minted yesterday, um, road face, I came up with, that wasn't the original title, but it was like catches like, oh, road face. Um, that one I kind of pre-planned it. I actually shot the image the night before and I didn't like it. And then I came back the next day with a friend and we kind of like really knocked it out. So those are in rare cases when I have like a solid idea, I'll, I'll try to plan a bit more, but most of the time I'm just winging it. Is that like, are you walking around New York and then you see something and you say, oh, that'd be cool. I'll come back here tomorrow yeah. with this and that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I bike. I don't walk, but I, yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. You know, I get, yeah. Go around. Find you have like a cool, like single speed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Not fixed like though. I'm too old to, too old to have the gears attached. Yeah. You're like, living, you're living my former life and I'm a little jealous. <laughs> it's frustrating. You still listen. skate. In Ohio, this place sucks. <laughs> anyway sorry i'm not gonna get into ohio here let's talk about um kind of our main dish today which is uh i wanted to talk to you specifically about twitter and people's lives on twitter and you said that you wanted to call out specific people i'm just kidding no <laughs> sorry <laughs> um you said that or no not you said um we wanted to talk about the kind of toxic positivity that exists on Twitter. Like, I think for me, I am sometimes guilty of being a perpetrator of this. Um, but I don't know. I mean, how, how do you navigate that? Because it feels like you're a sharp relief from that. So like, what, what are your thoughts on it? And what, what do you think what effect is it? What should we do? What, what should we do? Do different. What should we do? Yeah. I mean, you just got to look inwards, I think, and, and recognize like, all right, I have my personality as a human being in real life. And then, and then recognize that, you know, there's sort of this weird dichotomy between your, your actual personality and then the personality that's able to make it to the internet. And then you also have to recognize that there's a lot of people who 
100% curate their personality on the internet and that that's not who they are offline and sort of find a balance. <laughs> that's, that's if you're like really trying to like, you know, be online and be comfortable with yourself because I think that can be really difficult, especially because you, you know, even as an artist, you're sort of selling yourself as a, as a person, as a, as a brand. Um, but with, I mean, toxic positivity, I think it's about self-awareness. We're all, I think we're all guilty of toxic positivity because it's like, all right, you're feeling good one day and you have something you want to say, so you say it and you felt genuine about it at the time. But honestly, maybe you look at it the next day and you're like, why would I say that? You know, it's like, cause you know, you're writing stuff that's public. You put it out there. It has, it could potentially be seen a hundred thousand times or more. And now you can't undo it. So it, it's just, it's weird. You know, it's like everyone's on a soapbox and no one's perfect. Everyone is going to like make a mistake, but I think it comes down to like, how many times do you make that mistake? And I think there definitely are people who are notorious for, you know, doing these things. And it's, and I think the whole toxic positivity thing becomes a problem when it's, it's not necessarily about like promoting like good behavior, but more about like virtue signaling. It's like virtue signaling, you know, like yeah. this person saying this thing in order to like draw attention to this subject for, you know, X, Y, Z reason. And I think a lot of people, I think everything on Twitter is, you know, agenda motivated. I think there's always an ulterior motive to why things are done. You know, it's like, why, why am I as an artist talking about the, the NFT market? It's like, why is that relevant? Why do I even talk about it? It's like, well, I do it to some, like, cause it's like, oh, I want to get the attention of XYZ collector. Cause apparently if I post a photo, the algorithm doesn't even show it to them. So it's like, most of the people are just like, we just want to sell our work. We just want to get the attention of, of these collectors. We just want to show up on their timeline. So that's, that's where Twitter is like, you know, the devil, because you can't just simply post your work. I mean, you can, but you can't, you know, people just want to get eyes on their work and it comes down to like, what are you going to do to get that? It feels like the, the short form nature of Twitter is like, I mean, I'm not a fucking expert, but like the short form nature of Twitter is the thing that I have a problem with because I'm wordy. And I just, I feel like being saying things in a short way, you either have to state something bluntly, which is risky because you could fully like piss people off. And I've done that yeah. many times. 100%. Or you can be like a little bit raw, raw because it's safe. But if you're like a raw, raw, like everything's great, then you kind of get pegged as this overly positive person. And you're like, oh yeah, you're winning again. Cool. You know, so it feels like the only answer to that is to be more long form when you're posting, but that is fucking laborious. Like I've been doing that for a long time. Just like everything that I think has to be thought about. I, I have to really curate the way that I talk on Twitter because I'm thinking that like, well, yeah, because everybody does something for a reason. Like for me, I'm like trying not to piss a bunch of people off. Yeah. And, but I'm also trying to like stay relevant and that's mm -hmm. difficult and it's, it makes you chirpy and it makes you i don't know either negative or positive which sucks i think it reduces everything to something simple and dumb yeah it's it's the the, the social engineering um algorithm per se kind of leans everyone in like really extreme directions there's no it's it's hard 
when you when you when people sort of like start like sipping your tea as they would say like you know you write something and they like it and then they comment and then they keep liking what you say and then they just kind of get on board you know you become like a, a micro cult leader um it's hard for them to see past you when you do something that's like not great so i mean that's a whole other conversation but you know it, it once again it all boils down to why are you even why do you write these things like it, sometimes i like i have hundreds of saved drafts like when i'm like in a bad mood or if i'm feeling spicy or you know it's like am i ever gonna like post these things really not it's just kind of like just to blow off steam and i think that's why it's more important to like have like in person conversations like this where like people kind of just want to be heard i think there's just that's why that's why it can get really i think tense like on the timeline is that um there's people with like really big followings they say something and then everyone hears them and then you know people with smaller followings who might actually just make way more sense kind of have to sit in the background and be like well that's not fucking true you know so that's where things can get you know tense but then it also boils down to like why are these people even writing this in the first place and that's because they felt like they need to do this to game the algorithm to get exposure and that's what it comes down to i mean no one yeah, does with instagram like no one you know you write your diary or whatever but like no one's like tweeting about the market or like whatever about the trad art market on instagram I mean, sharing your photos you know that's it yeah and you know go back to work and that's but now it's just like so different because everyone feels like they they really do have to be you know plugged into this and i think it's not true i think i personally think that i started having more success as of recent when i stopped doing that i'm not saying i quit it you know sometimes i have things i want to say but i kind of really try to ignore all drama now and i think that's you know helped a lot because there's no reason for me to be getting involved in that I, you got to just stay focused on your art and oh, I'm going to go back into one more tangent real quick, back to, then this, this is my extreme honesty to you guys as collectors. And I think it's really important to like, you know, be cognizant of this is, so you guys both have started building large followings and you have to recognize that those followings, followings were cultivated from you guys spending a significant amount of money on other artists. And that brings in more and more artists who are going to want to get your attention so you can eventually collect their work. And if you guys stop collecting work and stop becoming collectors, you're, you will see, unless you find a real way to add value to the space, you will see a steep drop in engagement. And that's just the way the space is. If I stop posting photos and just start tweeting like food takes, I guarantee you, I will be getting zero likes within a week. No, everyone will ignore me. I'll just be some weird guy who sold some NFTs and now I just tweet about food. And that's that's how the space works. Short yeah. memory. Yeah. Oh, we um, know we know about that. We we see the engagement. <laughs> we you know, we have yeah. a few drafts. I will say we that have this, to... is, this is what this podcast is about. Yes. I, truly, like <laughs> I ran out of money. And so for me. This is a way for me to add value to the space without having to add literally my value, like my cash. I think, I don't know if you feel the same way, Bernardo, but like. Oh, yes. Actually, I had a bunch of ideas. Um, I spoke with a few artists about, and, and I spoke with you, Jeff, about an idea. We had a Discord and then the idea dropped. And then I had another idea because my thing was, I'm a collector that is going to stop to collect. 
I'm going to zero. What do I do to continue to be relevant? You know, so we do a when podcast for three people. Yeah, yeah, when I stopped buying the bigger pieces and stopped purchasing like, you know, the two or three ETH purchases, my engagement like flatlined, like it died and I buried it and it was sad. But for me, I was like, okay, I need to like, I need to build something or I need to get out of here. And like, I know you hate that building meme, but I'm like, it's true. Like I have to add value in some way. And so that's kind of what this is about. I will say the last thing I wanted to say about Twitter and positivity and stuff is like, I think for me, it's just like Twitter is like a nuance killer. And so any way in which we could bring nuance into the space, I think is a net positive. So I don't know. That's my thing. Yeah, it's a very direct space. Like emotions are very direct. And you'll, once again, you'll see that the, the, the people the artists in the space, the photographers who, it's really most of the photographers, like I, most of the like artists, artists don't, they're not like socially active in the space. Like the artists that I love, you know, they, they, they tweet, you know, their minds sometimes, but for the most part, they keep a low key and they just stay focused on the work. It's really the photographers who are very loud yes, and tend to, you know, get very upset when things don't go their way, including well, like- myself. Look, I'm not, you know, I'm not a, I'm not perfect at all. Yeah, you don't see like a ex copy or like Tyler Hobbs like on like shit posting on Twitter like all the time, being like, I can't believe this guy got a sale. Like no one, you know, like the, that art community <laughs> isn't doing that. It's kind of yeah. hilarious. Anyway, that was nice. Knowing that we are going to be relevant if you don't continue to collect. That's 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 the it's, the real truth. Brutal truth. It's brutal truth. Yeah. So I wanted to, to bring um, another topic here because um, one way that me and Jeff, we, we, we've been collecting and our collections are, I would say, looking back, they have very uh, powerful pieces from a lot of artists and other ones that we, we, we bought and some, if it was today, probably we wouldn't. I don't know. And every every day, every week, I look back and and my mood swings because I'm not sure. Whenever I collected that piece, um, it felt good at the time, but looking backwards, the same way you would do art. You know, you looked one year ago and you say, um, okay, these pieces are not as good as I thought. You know, um, and we are not trained to in art, and I'm not trained. I think Jeff is a little bit. Um, so what do you think about having some people with knowledge curating the quality for collectors and we are bringing the curation platforms do you think those platforms are one are they needed are they advisable to be in the space or not at all and if you don't want to get too personal with, with those platforms, because you might be on them in the future, you could also just give us your general opinion of like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, once again, I don't think there's a the wrong, I don't think there's a wrong or right answer to this. I think that, you know, curation is always, always, always a great idea. And it can, you know, going forward, having, you know, collections or, or marketplaces where work is really highly curated and there's like a real reason, I think, you know, one thing that always, quick tangent, one thing that always like, flabbergasted me was like 
how much value people put into like super rare as a platform when in reality a lot of the stuff that gets onto there is like a freaking joke i mean there's literally like i've like there's like anti-semitic work that's on super that's sold there's like um bestiality on it i mean there's like really weird stuff and it's like it's the i get it it's the blockchain it's web3 but it's like why did this stuff make it onto there and why are people giving this platform so much you know exclusive power you know when i don't you know i'm on super but you know i think no one should idolize anyone in web3 i think that's like a huge problem but going going forward i think that curation is important I think that, that artists should have 100% agency over their work. And I, I recognize that, you know, some of these curated platforms are helpful to, you know, establish, you know, artists in, in trad art web two um, that don't have time or, you know, the capabilities to like grind on Twitter every day. They're able to help those people sell out um, a collection real quick and, you know, make a huge chunk of change. And then they don't, they don't really have to put much effort into it. Um, the real question is like going forward, how will this affect those artists, you know, 10, 20 years from now, if we find out that like NFTs really are like the future um, and, you know, how, how badly were they taken advantage of? And that's something that remains to be seen. So I think curation is really important but making sure that artists are not getting taken advantage of is, is more important. Yep. But on that, my question goes as well to a lot of people say that um, whenever we go on the platforms to look for work, we have, it's not organized. We have uh, so many works, so many things at the same time that is the lack of curation affecting the NFT world. I, in a bad way, in a bad way, I mean. I, I think I think like there's always gonna be different um collectors with different taste levels, and there's always gonna be, you know, the very elitist, pretentious collectors who are like, oh, these guys have bad taste, blah, blah, blah. But I think that every single collector who is, you know, buying work makes up an important part of the ecosystem, and that, you know. Uh, the things that are meant to be successful will, you know, maintain value. They might not necessarily rise to the top right away because a lot of a lot of the things that end up being the most successful early off are much more than just on the, you know, visual factors. And it comes down to, to brand building, your personality online, you know, who you know. Um, and then, you know, with like the actual art stuff is that stuff just holds value over time, you know, and that's why I don't worry about it. You know, I know in, in 10 years, people are still going to like what I did now. Um, and it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be, you know, overhyped now or whatever. And, and that's, you know, something I'm confident about. But when it, when it comes to, you know, big collectors or whales per se, you know, buying, you know, pieces that may not necessarily hold, you know, significant value in, in the trad world, at the end of the day, they're, they're, they're collecting those pieces, you know, on a, on a, you know, emotionally driven level and it's making them feel good at the time and it's their money. So, I mean, they can do whatever they want with it and, you know, shout out to the artists that sold that it's, it's their win. And I don't think it really, I think what happens is if, you know, stuff makes it to 
um, like, you know, traditional news and people see that and they're like, well, why is that? Then maybe, it, maybe in the grand scheme of things, it delays the, you know, explosion of NFTs, but I don't think it like stops it. I think it's inevitable. Um, I'm going to sidetrack this conversation. I'm going to go a little bit. I think that was good. And I wanted to, I feel like one of the things that I, I see people dealing with a lot is they're, they don't really have a chance to be on these platforms. I guess I'm not really sidetracking it, but try to tie it together. They don't have a chance to be on these platforms. They don't have a chance to be curated by somebody. You see that they don't have a chance or maybe they're not frankly good enough a photographer. And, you know, they're selling photos for like 0.05 ETH, 0.1. What's the lowest you've ever sold for? Uh, was the first one I ever, uh, well, I mean, I did the edition for 0.19, but my first one of one on, you know, in the Urban Anomalies collection, I sold it um, to, to tie-dye for 0.2. So that was the, the lowest I had sold. All right. So I guess this is my question for other photographers that are listening yeah. who are kind of just at that point two level right now, how do you get from point two to what's your highest sale? 11 ETH now, 12 ETH? 11.11, well, he has a bid now in there. It's an offer and I, I, I told the guy, he's, he said, um, it's funny because he's like, put in the t he put in an offer for two and then he messaged me and I'm like, yeah, I saw your offer. And he's like, I'll double it right now. And I'm like, um, I'm not going to consider anything under 10. And then he says, well, good luck. He unfollows me. And then he, then he puts in the, he's, then he comes back and says, would you take 11.11? .11? And I said, I said, yes. And then I say, actually, why don't you throw in that offer? And then if it doesn't, if no one makes another offer by, you know, tomorrow morning, I'll accept it. So he said, once again, he, yeah, he unfollowed me. He said, good luck. This is the, this is ties into the story that I wanted to tell, which is like, yeah. and I don't, I hope you don't mind me telling the story, which is this, this picture back here. I remember <laughs> I bought two pictures from you. I think I have your Genesis foundation piece. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. All right. <laughs> Never mind, man. It's not worth anything. Um, <clears throat> no, I remember you asked me, you were like, what should I sell this for? And I was like, I hate getting price advice, but I liked you. And I was like, I don't know, I'll say something. I, I don't remember what I said, but. You didn't give me a number. I didn't give you a number because I don't that. give a number. You wanted that, but you didn't give me a number. I think you were probably thinking oh. like anywhere from like 3.5 to 4, maybe. That's, that's what it was, is that I wanted it. That's right. I forgot. I do love this photo. And you're like, well, I was thinking like 10 and I was like, Ooh, I was like, <laughs> I was like, I think you're skipping a step there. Cause I was like, and I tried to be really honest about it. This is the last time I talked to someone about price. Cause I was like, I will never text anyone about price after this incident. And I was like, well, I think you're skipping a step there, like five or six. And then literally like two weeks later, you sold it for 10. And I was like, well, I'm number one. I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> I did the I told the same exact thing to to Samantha Cavet uh, Cavet um, when she when she did her super genesis I was like I would I was like you know I'm sure those would have went immediately if you listed them for three and she's like no I believe in the work and I'm like all right and then here she is selling yeah. it, so so like how do you get there how do you get from point two to ten okay um, <laughs> take us through this process I I, I think. 
I don't know how to get there. But what I will say is I think there is a massive um, cognitive dissonance between, you know, art and photography in the space. And the and I think where the toxic positivity annoys the fuck out of me is when people tweet it's one of one season. I hate that so much. I, admit, I don't think that's real. I think one of one season isn't a thing. I think what is a thing is people recognizing that this singular artist is has potential, and I'm and you know I have some liquidity now, so now I'm gonna and now I'm gonna collect their work. And meanwhile, there's like tens of thousands of other artists and photographers who aren't selling anything. So if they see it's someone tweet it's one of one season, especially if you're not selling anything and you tweet it's one of one season, I think that's a little weird. And I don't think it triggers anyone to like say, oh, it's one of one season. It's like, why don't you just tweet your, why don't you just like post your art? And instead of seeing it's one of one season, they'll see the art and they'll be like, oh, maybe I want to collect that. So I don't understand that thing. I think a lot of photographers should, instead of every time they go to tweet, you know, a written text, I think they should just tweet their art. I think that's the better move. Um, but yeah, how to sell for that much, I, I truly don't know. I think once again, it comes down to making sure that you're, you're curating yourself so much and you need to make sure that what, cause I've actually burned a lot of things um, and I'm wishy-washy that way. Like I will sometimes I'll mint something and I'll be like, well, I think they'll like it. You know, that's, that's my thoughts. It's like, I think they'll like it, you know? Like a specific and, collector? not a specific collector, just anyone. I'm like, oh, I think they'll like this. You know, it's got a naked woman in it. They'll like this. Or it's got, it's got this landscape type vibe. They'll like this. Don't start and that's why I, I, I mint those things. And then, you know, it doesn't sell for a while. I'm like, well, I don't like it. So if it's not selling, I'm just going to burn it. And I think what I've really tried to go back to is I'm only going to mint it if I like it. So if I'm in something that I like, I know that no matter what, I'm not going to let it go for cheap and I'm not gonna burn it. So it's gonna stay up. And that's, I think what's kind of helped me, you know, raise my prices is that I'm not gonna, I'm not, I, I feel more confident in what I'm doing because I, I like it. Um, but I think once again, the, the, the problem with, with, with traditional photography versus, you know, I, I wouldn't, I really don't like to call myself a photographer because I create the scenes. I do a lot of work in post. I mean, I really just consider myself more of a, of a fine artist in that regard. And I think that if you're doing, you know, street photography or landscape work, I think it's much more, it's way more challenging, but you still see that the, the top street photographers and landscape photographers are able to sell for astronomical amounts. And, you know, it comes down to, to really heavy curation. And I think a lot of the photographer photographers are coming in from once again the world of web 2 the world of being a photographer and it's not fine art you know there there i was doing i was i've had solo gallery shows before this i've been doing you know the traditional art world kind of spiel for a minute now so it wasn't new to me to come into this and start selling you know like one of one pieces um but a lot of photographers are coming in and they've shot events they've done campaigns they've done instagram stuff and they've never really been like, okay, I'm going to sell this gallery, you know, in this image now in a gallery to a collector. And it's just a whole new world. And 
I think the best thing you can do is you need to approach it that way. And it, it's a lot harder. It can take a long time. And for me, I mean, I always, when I, when I feel like I fail, um, I just go make more work. That's what I do. Like, that's just, that's how I, that's what I've like, you know, instilled in myself, you know, like for a long time now is that like, if I don't have success, um, I'm just going to go out and like make something that's better until it catches people's eyes. And, and that's sort of something I live by. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the opposite of like, it's not the opposite, but it's, a, it's an analog to when people tell collectors, you know, collect something you like, because then if it goes to zero, at least you like it, you know? Yeah. So that's interesting. I like that. I think Can I ask one like question? It. Yeah. Um, you were super vocal about editions. <laughs> and and then we find an edition. It's a money grab. And, and all of a sudden, it's 1-1 one, one season for you. Just for you. The, do you think <laughs> is... Do you think is related or not? I, I don't. I don't know. Um, you know, there's there's always a string of events that I can like tie together. That like, why did this lead to this? But like, it's just, it's literally, it's 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 RNG. It's randomly generated numbers. You know, it's like, will this collector feel this way and see this work at this time and want to buy at this time? You know, it's like for them, it's their decision. For you as the artist, it's pure luck, you know? It's literally pure luck. And you just, the more you work, the, 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 the more you curate yourself, you know, the stronger of a collection of work you build, the luckier you, you're, you're gonna get. I mean, um, as for additions, yeah, I've, I've totally changed my opinion on additions. I mean, look, I'll, I'll go back to my original statement. I did call it a cash grab back in the day. And I think that doing really large edition sizes, you know, with, with ulterior, you know, intentions can be a little disingenuous, but I think now what we've seen is, yes, I'm totally, I was totally wrong in editions, you know, especially as we uh -huh. see one of ones create more value. Well, now you can't afford a one of one from XYZ artists and they have an edition of like 30, 50, a hundred, whatever that you can afford. Why not grab that? And now you own their work. And, you know, it sells out and people want it and, you know, you could hold it or you could flip it, whatever. I think in the beginning, it was like, there was a lot of um, influencer types who were doing them. They were doing really large editions and they were saying, I'm giving back to the community. And that just personally, like really, um, it really got to me. Cause I was like, well, you're making hundred K right now. Is that really giving back to the community? And that's that's kind of why I said what I said. And I don't take it back. I think in, in done, I think anything can be a cash grab in that regard. But like as for like additions, you know, leading to like an artist's career doing better, I think that additions can be really, really helpful to an artist if done right. And I think it comes down to, you know, sacrificing a potential one of one and making it an addition. You don't want to do like you don't want to do like a throwaway image as an addition. You want to do something that people want. And I think that's what leads to the success. Um, um, Bernard, before you ask that last question, can I ask you this really quick? Oh, are they hammering in my house? Um, uh, how do you feel about people who buy your work speculatively? 
like speculatively, like they don't love your work, um, but they're like, I think this guy's is gonna make me money. Do you have any opinions or feelings about those people? Is that like a um, faux pas or like, it feels like more of a faux pas in like the photography world for some reason than anywhere else. I, don't I, know. I, I truly think that I only experienced a bit of um, speculation when I first, um, back in September when like things were like, collections were selling out in like 30 seconds. And then I priced my stuff a lot higher. So it took a while to sell out. But in the beginning, I like sold like 17, you know, before everything's, and I think there were quite a few people that were speculating at the time, but, but since then, I feel like everyone who has collected from me, um, really just liked the work and, you know, do you feel negatively at those people who were speculating? No, no, not at all. I mean, I think every, every sale is important to the artist. Every secondary sale is also really important to the artist. Um, even, you know. I think it's only rude when when someone buys to 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 make a profit and then ends up um, selling it for less than they bought it for. I think that's just like not doesn't make sense to do um, if you're buying from from an from like an individual artist. Unless you, need I think it's even I think it's even more disrespectful to to buy something for a lot and then list it for like less than three ETH. Like it's I've seen stuff bought for like fifteen ETH and then they list it for like sixteen. But don't you feel like that's like somebody who's got over exposed and is suddenly like, oh shit, I gotta sell stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it's disrespectful, but at the same time, it's just like it's, the hype. it's a Keep financial mistake, right? Like yeah. I don't know. It, it goes, it just goes to say it's like when you're able to spend thousands of dollars by pressing like literally two buttons on your phone, on your couch, I mean, you can make mistakes. It happens. So one last question before we have like <clears throat> a lot of questions like to just answer a little rapid uh, fire. Really rapid fire. Um, we talked already about the curation platforms and bringing the web to um, like masters or web to people to this space. Do you think that OGs from the NFT space will get an advantage on this space or eventually uh, that is going to be uh panned out and everybody's going to have the same the same kind of success uh it's, it's hard to say i think there's we've witnessed a lot of really successful um like og artists in general like just come in and sell something for a lot i think um uh, his name is philip glass he's a he's a composer i think he came in and just you know, sold one of his like legendary, um, you know, musical pieces, and then he just dipped out. Um, and, you know, that's okay, that happens, you know, and, and, and people respect that, because, you know, they're not necessarily trying to get into NFTs just yet, but they still want to put some of their best work up on the blockchain. And I think that's totally fine. Um, I, 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 I don't know, I really, I think there's just like, a huge, like, cultural if you even want to call it that like cultural like um wall between the people in web3 and then the traditional art world and i i have no idea how that will truly blend together in the future it's i i really don't know cool um jeff yeah go yeah, ahead so, well, yeah. start the fire <laughs> I'll, i i don't know i mean i was gonna ask some of these questions i used to race them because i was like a little nervous too um 
Uh, so yeah, we're going to do like a little rapid fire as we uh, get ready to exit here. Cool. And feel free to not go on and on. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, so, try to, I'll try to be quick. Keep it short. What's your camera setup? What are you, what are you shooting with? I have a... People want to know. Yeah, I have a Fuji. I don't <laughs> have a on it. I have a Fuji film uh, GFX 100S. It's, it's medium format. It's, it's pretty compact and small. Um, I just got it as a treat you know, to myself uh, back in, um, I think, December. Uh, and I've just been very happy with it um, so far. Do you have any other like weird gadgets that you use to, uh, you know, besides like duct tape and uh, uh, yellow? And a hammer. Have yeah, you given yeah. your, the hammer to your, to your <laughs> performance. roommate? I love the performance piece. I thought it was hilarious. I'm just sad it wasn't just for me. I realized now it was for Bernardo. So sad. Yeah. For everybody. I sent that to a lot of people because I thought it was fun. Okay. <laughs> so what, what, go ahead. Now it's me. Let me ask oh, this sorry, one. Sorry. Okay, okay. What does it mean to get zanked? Well, um, me and Bernardo thought uh, it was like getting rugged, but for a photographer. I, I don't, yes. I don't know. Um, it's just something that seems to have caught on. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to go on uh, ENS and uh, get gotzanked.eth real quick. <laughs> I, did that. I didn't do get zanked so if you guys want to go do that and sell that to somebody go ahead um get zanked is a, is a nice I, I, my email has been got zanked you know my one of my emails have been got zanked at yahoo.com since you know 2007 um you know without going too much into detail uh it, it's mean it's meant many things over over the year to, to many uh different right, now i don't i don't want to know <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> Um, I was going to ask you what a charity collector was, but I don't know if you don't want to answer that or not. I'm not answering. Okay. Okay. Um, what was the question? Sorry. I didn't get that. Nothing. I'll tell you later. Um, okay. Okay. Name three photographers that you love right now. Brooke DiDonato. Uh, I want to be, I want to be like really unbiased, but like Brooke is like, I think Brooke is the best photographer that, I think she is one of the best artists alive right now, like 100%. And I think people have no idea how badly they're sleeping on her, but it's okay. Cause she doesn't, that's like, she's like in that level. She doesn't have to like be super active. Anyway, um, Cody Cobb is also once again, another extremely talented landscape um, photographer that is once again, not super active on Twitter, but his, his work speaks for itself. And then I want to throw out, let me see. Um, I want to be honest here. Oh, damn it. See, this is, this is giving me list is really hard. Cause then I'm like, I want to like not shout out a friend. I want to be like, kind of on just shout out friends. That's what friends are for. Oh, okay, fine. Um, Well, I got I got honestly, I got to give it to Summer Wagner because she, I mean, truthfully, like she really just got into photography like less than two years ago. And I told her, I told her this because, you know, we've become pretty uh, close friends over the, over the past year. And I was like, well, when I first, you know, saw your work and, you know, spoke to you, I thought it was pretty mid, but you have since like gone to like the next level and beyond and you're not stopping. And, and you know, extreme props to you. I mean, I've seen a lot of people in this space who are sort of still, you know, 
kind of sitting on their on their archives from like you know many years ago and and maybe haven't put out much new stuff and i think i think that's i think that's the cheat code to this space is put out new work i think that's the cheat code well we're show super that excited show that you're active not in twitter in art show that you're active yeah i honestly kind of thought she left for a while and then she dropped that last um collection and it kind of it blew my mind we're excited because we're actually talking to her on thursday i think she doesn't know that yet <laughs> but um yeah so her her pod will come out soon um yeah but we're really excited about that anyways it's getting it's getting to be an hour yeah yeah this was supposed to be a short one so we are going to get l with less than one hour i think that's a good thing is there anything ben that you would like to ask us um, and we didn't tell you we didn't tell you we were going to ask this so you didn't have any prepared questions so no yeah uh, what would i ask <laughs> you guys yeah as um you know as you know builders collectors in the space um who are you know i guess you guys are, are launching your own um nft project um or pfp project rather outside of that uh how do you guys see yourselves evolving as collectors? You know, are you like, you know, do you plan to spend money that you make on more work or are you guys going to be more um, conservative about like what, you know, with profits? Cause you know, at the end of the day, everyone here wants to, you know, walk away as a Ethereum billionaire. Um, not everyone will. <laughs> What, how do you guys feel about the future of, of you know collecting for yourselves? So, are you are you guys okay? Are you guys looking for the next big thing? Is my question. So my answer to that is that I have so I'm working with Jeff on this podcast, and I think that's a way for us to continue to be relevant um, in times that I'm not spending so much. Um, I think, and I've already thought about this a long time. What I'm going to do going forward i have a few ideas for other projects i don't know if they are going to work or not but any my thought is any money that i do from from these projects that i will do or any flipping i'm going to start to take 50 percent to me and reinvest 50 percent. i think that's but i end up i, I already had this idea and that i end up spending the 100% back to, to photography. So I have to be, I have to be very, very um, careful with that. Yeah. But I think that's what I would like to do, 50-50 from now on. Yeah, for me, um, a lot of it is that, for one, my, my liquidity just vanished. Like I had this great, this great constant money that was coming in and I was just throwing money left and right. And then now the money that I do have, I have to throw it towards a project. So I've, you know, the project I'm definitely going to be very financially transparent about. So we plan to put out our financials, like what we're doing with the money, where the money's going. Um, and there is, you know, one of the branches of, I mean, we're building a studio, basically. When you say studio, I don't know, you can call it whatever you want, a lab, whatever. Physical I don't want to, I don't want, what's that? Physical? Like, have like. Space? I wish, you know what, maybe eventually, I'm not sure. I know that like being in the photography world for big hugs is a big, important part of our, of the studio and like. For me, I one of the one of the wings of it is his collecting, um, and this podcast. I, I would like to start to make other podcasts. Honestly, like I'm a bit of a, I'm like an entrepreneur. Like 
in my bones. Like I can't work for anyone. That's for one thing. But also I just want to build a massive like solid empire. So like there will be many legs and many things. And I'm kind of just waiting for the right people to come around to like knock on my door to start putting pieces into place. Um, yeah, I, I feel like Big Hugs is going to be a lot bigger than I'm letting on because I don't want to tell anyone what it's about yet because I don't want to raise expectations and do that whole hype cycle thing. So I'm trying to play both sides of that, but there will yeah. be a decent chunk of money that get, gets broken off to like collect photography, which I'm very excited about because uh, it'll be a decent amount of money. So I'll get to like get back into putting serious money into it. So yeah, it's exciting. What's that saying? Not under under promise and over achieve. What's something? Yeah, like under promise, over deliver, right? Yes. But if you keep saying that, then people expect that, and then that's <laughs> also bad. Yeah, that's true. True. Anyways, I gotta go get some delicious tacos. So sounds good. Yes. So Ben, thank you so much for coming. I really love this new new type of podcast that we have. I think, uh, Jeff, I think we are going to start to do these kinds of podcasts and maybe do it live. Is that correct? Yeah, I get some like uh, streaming questions or whatever. Cool. Sounds terrible. I'm always happy. I'd, I'd be happy to come back on for like two hours again. You know, we can really get into it about, you know, niche topics. So that would be fun. Yeah, we can we can put the news on the Like we put a, a list of things that happen and then we ask your opinion about it. But you need to be like ruthless. <laughs> Gotcha. That would be nice. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I feel like I, I feel like I was even too ruthless during this one. So do you think? I know. I think you were super correct. I thought I, I, I just, you were yeah, going to I wanna more. I want people to be okay with being honest without like having because people will disagree, but it's like don't feel offended about it. I'm just being sure. genuine. I'm just he's trying to be okay. nuanced. This is long form. He's trying to be nuanced, and we're, yeah. we should allow him to be that one. Nice. okay guys so i think we need to wrap up again uh don't forget to subscribe to put likes that's the way we may or may not do some money so we can spread our love again um so if you have any suggestions just go to our discord go to twitter we have a twitter page for the utility podcast but you can reach us or on the utility podcast or on the big hugs discord or through me or jeff um ben once again thank you for coming and we see you guys in about this week because we are going to release later this week another another podcast with summer wagner hope to see you soon thanks bye